We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's a I was going to sing the song Final Countdown by Europa, but who would want to listen to a podcast that's hosted by some dumbass who sings stupid made-up songs with invented lyrics? This is the Arsenal Vision Post-Match Podcast. My name is Elliot Smith. You can block me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. That's right. It's the final countdown. That. It's the final countdown. It's the season. It's the season. It's here. Which means all the fun stuff is over and now the football starts. But yes, the window slammed shut. The season is here. It's time. The arsenal is back. All the excitement, all the joy, all the... Wait, sorry, no. Those are Manchester City's notes. Okay, let me put those down. All the disappointment, all the misery, all the terrible defending. No, I kid. It's going to be totally different. It's going to be all change. We've just had an exciting window slam shut. We're going to talk about that. We're going to make predictions. But before we do that, we have two shirt winners. That's right. Two people, one shirts. We're going to send you whatever Arsenal shirt you want. It has to be an Arsenal shirt. Can't pick another team. So, Alexander Yeoman, I have your email. I will be emailing you. Imagine giving me your email. I'm going to email you, Alexander Yeoman, because you have won a shirt. You were correct. I predicted Arsenal 10, Newcastle nil. And Arvid Ono Matson. Arvid Ono Matson, you have won as well. And I will be emailing you. I also have your email. Be afraid, be very afraid. Um, you also predicted 10 9 to the Arsenal. Uh, which is acceptable because I've been kind of vacillating between the two, to be fair. So uh, I'll email both of you. If you did not win, uh, it is Arvid and Alexander's fault, and please send uh, all the uh, hate to them and abuse and whatnot, but I'm not giving you their email, so you have to go search them down somewhere else. It can be like that movie with, um, what's his name? 
What's the one where his daughter gets snatched and then he goes and gets revenge? Taken. Taken. It'll be like Taken, only over an Arsenal shirt. In any event, let's get started. The voice you just heard there, the sexy voice, the man who uh, can make a Wolverine purr. His name is Clive. You can find him on Twitter at Clive P-A-F-C. Hello, Clive. Hello, hello. Paul's on Twitter at Pause My Pants. Hello, Pause. Woohoo! Tim's on Twitter at Soberto. Hello, Tim. Hello there. And guess who? Scott is down the line with the data. The data that matters. Not all this subjective opinion crap, but we're going to do the subjective opinion crap. And I am going to start with the man who demanded, in fact, begged to be first up, and that is Clive. Hello, Clive. Um, <laughs> let's start with this. Before we get into the actual football, the window has slammed shut. It was an absolutely crazy transfer window. Louise on the final day. Tierney on the final day. will be going out, although at time of recording, that maybe is still up in the air. Um... And Kenny alone on leave. It's actually just been announced. It's just been announced. Breaking news. Breaking news. It's just been announced. It will be as an Everton player, for better or worse. Let's do this. Let's get your American style A through F letter grade on the window that was. You know me. I'm always over optimistic. I would give it a a B. A B. That's over optimistic. (laughs) Negative, guys. Gosh, you can find him on (laughs) at negative Gooner on Twitter. B. Okay. What what does Raul need to do for you, Clive? Well, rub rub and tug, I guess. Um, (laughs) Reach around. So, all right. Obviously, we. I thought a B was good. I'll be happy with a few Bs in my life. I said. I said B as well. You don't, so. you don't get into Princeton getting Bs, my friends. Um, so <laughs> it's the great inflation that works for me. No, it's all kidding aside. I mean, so for you, Clive, the B, based presumably on the fact that David Luiz is not uh, day out up, up a Meccano? I just think um, there were some situations, not what we did, but maybe how things happened with the Koscielny situation, maybe. And I'm not, I'm not sure that's really a fair reflection, but I just found that whole situation disappointing from everyone's angles but i'm also glad that Arsenal stood up and, and and got some money back and in the end i thought it would cost us tens of millions of pounds but actually if you think about christian bielik going and and Koscielny going and we've got david louise in place one player didn't really play for us and the other one forced forced his way out of the club to a point where we couldn't get much for him so the whole market knew we were vulnerable we had no leverage but we still managed to get a, a younger centre half with as much experience as you know, maybe more leadership qualities and um, somebody that has a playing style, which I think will really suit this team. And um, so yeah, so we've recovered really well from that situation. So maybe I'm saying it. I think B's B's right. I think the only reason it's right is because we didn't have a another first eleven centre half. You know, so if there was somebody else that was. Um, just a little bit younger, you know, younger. That's really a, a first limb potential centre half in the building. But we just have to wait for that and we have to wait for that till next year. And I think we will go again next summer with the with the other centre half to be the long term partner potentially. But that's just my thoughts. We'll see how holding goes this year and see if he is that other player to um to partner Sleeve over the medium to long term. So very pleased with the um Sabias signing i'm really pleased with that i think we're all gonna like him i think we recognize that player and i think we'll all remember as soon as we get a good chance to see him over a longer period just how much we missed that player in our center midfield we used to have loads of them and we now we've got nobody like him so i think he'll be interesting and i think you know we've done all right i think tierney although i was against that signing um from a 
I don't like being bullied from Celtic's point of view and the injury suspicions. As soon as he's got the shirt on, all that goes away. He starts looking at the, the highlight videos for a different light. And um, I'm actually quite excited by him. I think he could be a very special talent. And I, I think a player that hopefully we'll all you know get to love over the next few years. So, yeah, I could still go B. But um, if you ask me from a how we operate point of view, from a club perspective, I'd almost go A. Because I'm just pleased we're back to being a, a sensible, clever club again. Yeah, that's well said. I mean, we're players again. We're out there, and and we're we're making the hard decisions, selling and loaning players, or making the hard decisions, spending the money to buy players. Uh, on our Patreon transfer window podcast that we just published, actually called Deadline Denouement, which I thought was a clever play on words, but probably no one else does. Um, we already did this, but you know what? As a little free teaser, Tim, let's let's wrap up this section with you and Paul giving your letter grades too, and just a quick explainer why. What do you what do you give us for the window? You already teased it by assuaging Clive's guilt and saying a B. Yeah, I, I said B for similar reasons that, um, you know, we got a centre-half, but perhaps not the kind of the 25-year-old top-tier um, centre-half, which I think, as Clive says, we'll, we'll go for again next year. So I'm, I'm fairly happy with Louise as an interim. There, there's still stuff to do. There's still, I think, a backup right-back, a stronger backup goalkeeper. Um, there's guys we, we haven't managed to shift yet, albeit we could shift some of them. Um, so I, I'll give it I, I'll give it a B, like a strong B. But um, put it this way, I would have taken it um, if you'd have told me that this was going to happen, names and all, um, in late May. I, th- I think I'd have been relatively happy. So, yeah, strong B um, and enthused because I think Arsenal prioritised the right areas. Um, you know, like I said, it's more than one window's work. Albeit, I think they kind of made that situation for themselves by completely writing off January, which I never understood. Never understood why they did that. There's so much work to do that I don't think they can afford to just write off windows like that. But um, yeah, I, I think they've gone for the right profile of player in the positions where we needed them the most. And that even if all of the signings turn out to be massive flops, I can follow the logic of every move. And and I don't think you can ask for much more than that at this stage. Yeah, you know what it is? Process, right? We always talk about this, right? Results Mm. are great, but results through bad process, hard to repeat. Results through good process, easier to repeat. And I think the process is good right now, or at least it looks like it's trend. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, shall I, shall I give you a little example of that? So um, one, Danny, yeah. Welbe- Danny Welbeck turned out to be a good signing, right? Signed absolutely chaotically just because he happened to be at Colney with England on deadline day and because we were tired of pushing Wenger to go for a striker. Turned out to be a perfectly decent signing. Signed Lucas Perez in very slightly similar circumstances because it was getting near the deadline and the powers that be were trying to push Arsene Wenger to please buy another forward. And that didn't work because, like you say, that's not good process. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, well said. All right. So, Paul, before we get into the previewing part of the season preview podcast, let's finish reviewing the window. Your letter grade and rationale? Uh, well, we're an A, easily an A for me, maybe Unlike, well, verging wait. on A+. plus. Not, not if you're glass half empty, negative Nelly, Clive, or Tim, but for yeah, you yeah. and I, clearly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah clearly. Um, so you look at what Emery needed to play the way he wants to play. I mean, Pepe as a right winger, I mean, fuck me, uh, wasn't seeing that before the window started. Um, and, and we diced with the devil with uh 
playing around with the name of Fraser. So, yeah, that, that'll get you an A from me straight off. Then you got Tierney left left back, which I think uh, a player like that is essential for our style. Sabalas in midfield, lovely. Um, we got uh, who else? Are we oh Luis David Luis uh, centre back. Given given where we're at in terms of our budget, uh, I mean, our, <laughs> he's a big profile player. Uh, when he's great, he's great, and he'll be a mad bastard alongside Socrates. So I'm excited about that. And you know, Emery knows the guy. They've what they had at least one season together. Um, Edu Brazilian angle. Hopefully, keep the everything in check and keep the communication open. So hopefully, we'll keep that one bolted down, and that'll be a a, a net significant positive. Though it could go tits up. And then on the other hand, you got Martinelli coming in and Saliba coming in. So there's your six signings in a window in which we. Uh, may not have had 45 million exactly, but we had a very limited budget, and we've had uh, one. So it, where I'd score us on the negative would be at the outgoings, but if I just look at the positives and how we need to play and the positions we needed to fill, uh, fair folks to Raul, that's a, uh, easily an A for me. Uh, the outgoings, that's another story. Yeah. All right. Well, good enough. I uh, I will simply say that obviously I saw it as an A plus, and anybody who sees it as less than that needs to just back the team for God's sakes. Um, all right, let's get into it. So now we're going to look ahead, and the first thing I want to do is just, <laughs> you know, the words come out of my mouth, but they don't actually mean anything. Because I was about to say is now I want to look ahead. So the first thing I want to do is talk about what we saw during preseason. <laughs> but that's that's just how it goes around here, uh, Clive. Yo. I want you to give me something. So, and again, let's try to keep these sharp. We'll keep them concise because we've got a lot to get through. But I want you to pick something from preseason that you think will wind up meaning nothing, and something from preseason that you think will wind up being real. So, you know, I mean, it, it was a busy preseason. We played some prestige friendlies. There was a lot to get excited about. But often the things we see in preseason don't matter. So, for you, a something and a nothing. What's your nothing? What's your something? Um, the nothing will be. Um Hazy Maitland-Niles' own goal. I think it'll mean nothing. Um, and I think there's lots of silly reactions to that. So I think it'll be fine this season. I look forward to seeing that develop. And the something has got to be the emergence of Joe Willock. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I, think, I think he looks spectacular. Yeah, go ahead, sir. Yeah, I just think... Um, he just opens up so many different things and I think he gives us a level of resilience and go forward and I like what he is, I like what he can be, I like his approach to getting into Arsenal's first team. You've got to be a special kid to break into a, a top six premiership team and you, you know, you just got to be special to go all the way through the club and get to where he's getting and um it's really exciting to see that happen. It's almost an impossibility these days. And um, and we've got something there that's special. There's rumours of Bayern Munich already looking at him. I mean, that tells you what you need to know. So I'm really hoping that is going to be something, something very, very big. Yeah, I think you probably just stole on everyone's, but let's go over to Tim for a second. Um, what's your something? For, and I know you are a keen preseason observer, but what, what is your <laughs> something that will mean something from preseason and, and you're nothing? 
I'm a preseason nihilist. It all means nothing. No, um, I'll play ball. Close to right. So, <laughs> so that the nothing, I'm going to slightly cheat because it's kind of already happened. And Eddie Nketiah, mm. uh, because he he started preseason quite well. Um, not sure he finished it brilliantly, but he's gone out on loan anyway. So those kind of promising goals, uh, that doesn't mean it means nothing because obviously he's going to go to Leeds and have his loan spell there. But um, to be honest, I never, th- I, I just don't quite think Nketiah is, is Arsenal level. Um, and I think this time next year we'll probably sell him, um, but hopefully for a good fee and he'll have a good career. The, the something for me is Aubameyang, um, and that's that's probably a little bit, <laughs> that's probably a bit Captain Obvious, but I think basically we're going to, and, and to be fair, actually, Mkhitaryan and Aubameyang have, have quite a good partnership, but I think effectively we've swapped Mkhitaryan and Awobi for Nicolas Pepe. Um, and I think that's going to be significant. So, um, I mean, he scored 31 goals last season anyway, so I'm not sure how much he can improve on that. But I think Aubameyang, you know, he's in his he's in his prime years. Um, I think Aubameyang's going to have another blinding season. And because Liverpool had all of their forwards were away this summer, um, I think Aubameyang's going to take the golden boot outright. Mm. You know, if I, if I had the text transcript of this pod, I could just hit Control-X and Control-V <laughs> or Command-X, Command-V, depending what computer you're using, and that would be my answer, but sadly I can't. But, Paul, uh, maybe you could yeah. say something, have people forget what Tim just said, and then I could just say what Tim said. So what's your something from preseason and nothing from preseason? All right, so something for preseason that will mean nothing. Laurent Koscielny going on strike. There was a big fucking meltdown about it. I always thought... We just brush it aside as we went along. It will. Ha- it's. I think we've probably reached the point where um, I mean, we got to tidy it up just before TDD, which is probably good uh, timing when things go well and terrible timings when things go badly. Um, so I think we'll move forward. It's become an opportunity. We've swapped in Luis for just a few few million quid um, and just a little bit more money, but no more money than. Chelsea were paying him and they should know what they had. They had all the stats and the facts and the fitness stuff on Luis. So I think that's a nice little swaparoo and uh, a physically sound player. So that's the, the something that will mean nothing. And the something that will mean something. <laughs> yeah, what, what's that? Will, yeah, that's a good question. I think what I, it's the something I hope means something, which is the playing out from the back, but we needed a player to make that happen. Oh, da- David Luis makes another uh, entrance into my uh, my profile. Yeah, so uh, it'll be really interesting to see if he's the guy who actually allows us to do what we did in preseason, which is a whole other way. We, we did start last season, the first few games. I mean, we had that uh, wondrous goal playing out from the back um, that we scored early on against Fulham. Um, so there were games where we were trying to do that a lot and then we kind of dropped off it a little. So I hope, I hope that we now have the players in midfield in particular, uh, David Luiz and a couple of good and confident, uh, wing backs, full backs between Maitland Niles, who's been spinning those balls up the wing all preseason, Bellerin, of course, and Tierney, uh, who can really help us play out from the back. Yeah. Um, so I have a couple ways I'm going to go with this. I almost want to, just to be argumentative, say that something that will be nothing is Willick, 
not because I don't think he's a superstar in the making, but because I just, I look at the team and unless, unless the coach really trusts him, I'm still curious to see where the playing time is. But instead, I'm going to say the thing that'll be nothing is Aubameyang on the right. He looked fantastic there. Um, but we did sign Pepe. He is a right-sided winger. Uh, I, I don't think that we will move Pepe to accommodate Oba on the right. So I, I think that his phenomenal performances on the right this summer, while they were fun to watch, will ultimately mean nothing. Um, I think there's something that means something is the fact that we basically didn't play the back three towards the tail end of the preseason. I I think we will strive to be a back four team. I think the acquisition of Tierney tells you that. I think Bellerin's return will hasten that. We might see the back three rear its head early in the season when neither Tierney nor Bellerin are available. But when they become available, and hopefully that's for a lot of this season, I think we will move away from the back three in a more uh, permanent way and, and play back four as much as possible. So now you disagree. Oh, Ar- no, argue. Come on. That's what we're, if, what are we here for? If not to call each other idiots? Well, you see, I just don't, you're an I don't, idiot. I don't know go. why you're, I don't know why you're concerned about it. There are other I didn't teams say in the concerned. Prim- I said, I don't agree. Think- is not the devil. It's all about the balance, right? Um, you know, the other manager I like in the league, Hassan Tyler, he plays a back three. You know, can you imagine a front three with Pepe and Aubameyang? Just in a in a three four two one behind Lacazette, spinning in there, creating, going away from home with that level of transition, with a good four across the middle. There's so much exciting options. I don't know why we would limit ourselves to playing a similar way each time. I I, I love the variation, and I don't think it's dead. I think it suits Chambers. It will suit Holding as he's coming back, and we've got probably one of the best back three centre backs just arrived at our club. So I think we could see a different style of back three that's way more mature and advanced than the previous style that we had. Mm. So leave your mind open, mate. Let's sure. see what happens. I, I, I th- if, if we're going to do that, Clive, and it's not that my mind's closed to it, my biggest argument with the back three has been and continues to be ball progression and connecting the attack to the midfield, and Ceballos maybe, Ceballos maybe unlocks that because it worked last season with Ramsey. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Into the words out of my mouth. It's yeah. just different players. And mm-hmm. um, Randy did it his way by overloading and breaking. And then suddenly he appears in areas where people had to adjust to him. So Bias can carry the ball there. He can start ahead. And he can get it and he can connect things. In and so can Willock, way. by the way, if, if he was trusted Absolutely. with it. Absolutely. He can carry and he, and he can arrive. I just think we've got some very exciting playing options which take away your concerns about the system. It's always how you play it and the players within it and the messages they're given before they go out. If they're given certain messages and they have the ability to carry it out, it looks great. I've, I've not forgotten us slapping Chelsea in the FA Cup final with that same system, and it was brilliant. And so there are there are options out there. I just think it's... Um, I wouldn't close my mind to it. I wouldn't close my mind to it. I agree if we use our more mobile our, our more mobile midfield options that we have now, a guy like Ceballos and maybe Torreira or, or Ganduzi and Ceballos, something like that, with a 3-4-2-1 yeah. and put Lacazette in as a false nine with Oba and, and Pepe running the channels, then yeah, that, that definitely looks better than what we saw last season. But let's, let's move on and do this. This next section could take a lot of time if we are verbose. So we will do our best to uh, be terse, which is uh, the dictionary antonym for verbose, it says here. Um, we're going to letter grade each department of the squad. Okay. Again, American style letter grade A through F. Tim, I'll start with you. 
let's just zip and one one comment for each is fine. Let's just zip through goalkeepers real quick. What's your letter grade for goalkeepers? Yep. Uh, B minus. I want to see Leno. Um, you know, had a great. Uh, spell of form in spring. I want to see him maintain that. The stats suggest that's an outlier. I would like a stronger backup than Martinez. Um, so I'll wait and see, but B minus. Paul? Uh, a minus. I mean, Leno continues to be look look the same player, so uh, I think he's feeling it and, and will go into a stronger, go into this season feeling even better about ourselves. So I'm sticking with an A minus. Uh, I think it's fair to say that your goalkeeping group is really graded based on your starting goalkeeper, right? Because you don't have to use your backup goalkeeper if you don't want. So while I yeah. think Martinez has to prove himself, the one that matters is Leno. I think he's an A-minus goalkeeper with the potential to be better. But we also know he wasn't. He was maybe below an A-minus keeper before he arrived. So uh, he could regress. I hope he won't. If he doesn't, I think it's an A-minus. Clive, your grade for the uh, for the goalkeepers? Yeah, I'll go B plus A minus. I think um, stylistically, we don't have to change our style anymore. When we go to the backup keeper in Czech, I felt we were a different team. And teams played us differently. I think Martez is comfortable. He wants to play. He plays quickly. He's got good size about him. He's got some edges that need to polish off. We saw that in preseason. Leno, I just think he's got the strut. He's decided, I've arrived. I'm now 26. This is my this is my show. Give me number one shirt. Mm. It's, it's, it's all over for you lot now. Now you're going to have to watch me. I hope it will continue. I don't. I, I hope I'm correct and we don't see that regression, but I don't see it in the post at all. I think he'd be fine. Yeah, and to be fair, I mean, if the defense is even nominally better in front of him, that should help. I'll stay with you, Clive. Let's do fullbacks. Um, so basically, Maitland-Niles, Bellerin, Tierney, Nacho, Kolasinac. Your letter grade for that group? I will go B minus because there's too many unknowns. Um, Tierney, although I'm, you know, we're excited about, we don't know, but we think we're going to be okay. Bellerin, we do know, but we can't. We we have to remember he's, he's been out for nine months. It's going to take at least two or three to get back to anything. Um, Kalashnik, we know that he is a, a wing back and in his box he rests defensively. And things happen around him. He lets it happen. Monreal, he looks quite, he looked quite good in preseason, actually. But he's 106, and his body could break down any minute. And uh, Maitland-Niles, although I'm a fan, not everyone is, and I think he needs a string of good games because I feel, confidence-wise, I just feel he's on the edge. He can go one of two ways. He could drop or he could explode. And I do think... As fans, we really hold that, and I think he's a sensitive boy, so he's one to watch, but I'm hopeful he's going to explode. Yeah. Uh, well, Tim, hoping that nobody explodes personally, just me. Um, <laughs> what letter grade do you give that department? Uh, I'm going to say B. Um, on You know, on paper, uh, that's poor. No, no, I think that's about right. Uh, you know, really like Bellerin, but there are weaknesses he has to iron out. Don't know enough about Tioni net yet, but... Uh, as we discussed on the uh, on the patrons pod, hopefully the two of them together means that we can go to the back four more. Nacho, I've always liked, but you know he's he's getting on in years now. Kalasenac, I don't really like even at left wing back, and Maitland Niles, I'm just not sold on. I don't. I, I'm happy to have him as a backup right back, but um, for him to play more than few games there, I'm not massively sold on it. So I'll give that a B. Um, you know, the interesting thing, Tim, is for me, the reason why this is hard to grade is 
there's a scenario where Tierney and Bellerin are an A-plus yeah. fullback combination Agreed. that rivals the best in the league. Yeah. But it's so unknown how much they'll be available, how quickly they'll be ready to play regularly and at a high level, that I agree with you. They get dinged for that. Paul, I mean, are you dinging them for their unavailability, or are you going to give them credit for their potential? Yeah, you just peed all over my answer, really. I thought I was going to say it something felt so vaguely good. I've been holding it in, so you know. yeah, mm-hmm. can't keep it in. So uh, we I do the singing around here. We agreed. Oh yeah, I forgot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, if I'm singing, you can't be. You could do harmony. We got a couple of A players uh, on either wing. We got a couple of B players, and then we got Nacho, who is kind of in and out of centre back, uh, three at the back, or left back so uh, it's hard to to ding him too bad in our overall score so i think we're b-ish uh but there's just too many unknowns if we knew what we needed to know and everybody was fit and strong and could play most of the games i think we're close to an a minus but uh too many unknowns with our two a-ish uh with full backs there tierney and bellrin so um but it's not average is the problem I think we had that conversation uh, on the the pa- Patreon pod. It, it's not exactly average. It's it's a really interesting mix of some some A players, some Bs, and some unknowns. So we'll see. Yeah, well said. All right, so let's get to the painful part real quick. And since I think it's more fun when everybody gets their chance to be first at picking this stuff, I'll start with you, Paul. We'll go back the other way. Your letter grade for the center backs, just to read them out, David Luiz. Yeah. Socrates, Mustafi, Cha- well, Mustafi's probably going, but let's just list him. Mustafi, Chambers, Holding, and maybe Nacho in that group potentially. That might be more of his role this season. What's your letter grade there? Yeah, as an overall B, uh, as a window for our defense, maybe a B plus because I, I think we ended on a bit of a high given our budget. Uh, again, that sounds like we have a lot of average center backs and I think we have some shits, some unknowns, and, uh, well, they're not shits, but they're <laughs> shit. Yeah. Um, and we maybe have a pairing that could really rock if it takes off and lives up to its potential when we get the two mad ba- two mad hard bastards, Socrates and, and uh, Luis, playing together. But on the average, it'd be. Yeah, all right. I think that's kind of optimistic. I mean... I, for me personally, I think this is like a C minus, but up from an F. And when you go from an F to a C minus, like it's improvement. And improvement was what we had to do. Tim, for you, um, I mean, maybe not just the letter grade, but the letter grade you think we're improving from, or if you think we're improving at all. Um, so I, I, I probably won't go quite as low as F because, um, just cause I, I think there are other issues, um, around our defending that aren't all about the quality of the center halves. Um, but I, I, I'd agree with the C. Um, I, I think Socrates is about a B minus kind of center half. Maybe David Luiz's as well. How they gel will be crucial. I mean, Mustafi is <laughs> quite low on that scale. Chambers, uh, you know, I'd be happy with Chambers as like a fourth choice. I, d- I don't really think he'll ever aspire to any more than that. Um, Mavropanos, I, I don't think he'll be here um, from the end of the window. So, yeah, I, I, I think I tentatively agree. I think I think we've probably gone from an E to a C maybe a C minus. Yeah. Um, I mean, 
and th- and that's really it, uh, Clive. I mean, I-, I don't think anyone is ready to put this <laughs> put this defensive unit in the pantheon, but they didn't have to be in the pantheon. They just had to be better. So, what's your letter grade? Do you, do you think we improved? We we slightly improved, um, but only until the first Rickett goal goes in that costs us points, and we're going to think actually we're exactly the same place. Koscielny had a tough year last year. <clears throat> Excuse me, a tough year last year. And basically, he was limping through games. So he was desperately, desperately unfit during games. So I'm hoping that Louise is, a, is an uptick from that. He's slightly younger and he's fitter. And he brings a different way of defending. He's a cuter defender. I think he's smarter. I think he's less dramatic. So I'm hoping for a slight uptick there. Mustafi's dropped completely away. We know that. And I've got to say, you know, you know me, I've criticised Chambers in, in a fun way. But I watched him, and I'm watching him, and I see a player that's really trying hard. He's, he's quicker than Mustafi. He's trying to offer a level of assurance back there. He's tr- I, I can never kill a player that's absolutely giving it everything. He just gives me the feeling that he really wants to make it work. I think in the end, his talent's got a limit. And so I think it's gonna, it's gonna, it's just gonna happen. But I appreciate what he's trying to do, and the holdings an unknown. So I would go see, but in in a year's time, that could be a different grade based on the development of Chambers and holding in particular, and um, and how Louise settles in. But at the moment, it's a C. Yeah. Okay. I I think that's fine. I I could get more annoyed at the defense if I really started to dig into it. But I think we have a pairing in Socrates and Louise that at least for right now. I mean, maybe this winds up being madness, but I feel like it's maybe okay. And I think when Holding comes back, it's it's better. I, I really wish that in Holding, Bellerin, and Tierney, we didn't have three pretty important players for our season who are all coming back from fairly long-term injuries just because you worry about how, how often they'll be able to play. But say lovey. Um, sticking with you, Clive. Yep. Let's do the midfield, and I'll read out some of the names. Shaka, okay. Willock, Torreira, Ganduzi, Ceballos, and you could throw Ozil into that group if you wanted, um, I think loosely, depending on how you want to allocate, but that's the midfield group essentially. What's your letter grade? Yeah, this is the uh, this is a B plus for me. Uh, I just like the energy that's just suddenly gone in there. And the players that came last year were well, their first season. They were unknown to us, really. I think they're going to be better this year. And I think they're going to feel more senior. Uh, Willock, you know, he's come out of the sky. We know he's going to, he's going to, what he's going to bring. So he won't be run off the pitch. That's for sure. Sobias, I like the bits I've seen. I think he had some Wenger style Arsenal quality into the centre midfield. Did you have Picatani there? Well, you know, leave him as a forward. Um, but in general, Ozil, Picatani. Ozil, we know what he's going to get. Home games, bottom half, I'm the man. Away games, we now have real options. And he should not be embarrassed to sit on the bench because we have real options that can do some things that he can't do. And he should be accepting that. And um, as they all should, if there's somebody who can do a job better than you, you sit down and wait for your time and try to do the job better than them. And that's what I'd like to see rather than feeling pressured in having to pick certain players because of their status and waste back it. So I give that a B plus and I can't wait to see that all come together and develop over the season. Mm. Well, I think the midfield is one of those issues, Tim, where, you know, again, 
our letter grade is heavily influenced by players that we're sort of projecting, right? Uh, mm. Ceballos, yeah. Willick, Ganduzi, yep. even to some extent. There's a lot of projection inherent in in our rating of this, but I'd be curious to sort of see where you where you see it landing. So yeah, you're right. That that's exactly it. There's quite a bit of projection there. I'm going to go with a B because I I like again like I I like what we've done here. I can follow what we've done. Now, if we start playing midfield threes with Xhaka and Özil, that comes down for me. That that is not physically that is not sufficient for the Premier League and what it is in 2019. That is. That's Windows 7 stuff that does not belong in this decade um, and in this iteration of the Premier League. We, we can't do that anymore. So I like what we've done in terms of I like Torreira. I like Genduzi. I like the look of or at least what I've read about Ceballos. I like Willock. I think these are modern 21st century midfielders and we desperately needed that in midfield. We needed an environment upgrade. So I can follow the logic there. So, um, but like you say, I'm, I'm wish casting here cause I'm talking about, you know, two midfielders who've, well, Willock's what started one premier league game. Sabios hasn't started one yet. You know, Torreira and Genduzi have had a season apiece. Um, so that you know that there's there's a lot of wish casting there and you know Jacques is still there he's going to play a lot of games um and you know we all know he has good points and bad points ditto Ozil um so yeah it's it's a B I hope that that can go up into into the A's but I mean last season I probably would have given it a C to be honest so yeah yeah I mean it's a it's a really tough one to rank again Paul because on paper, I can see how it could be excellent, but like, I also think Ceballos is our best midfielder, and I know nothing about him. <laughs> so, like, you know, it, it is it is a tricky one. Like, if you told me right now that Joe Willock was going to be named Premier League Player of the Season, I'd believe you. <laughs> it's like yeah. everything is bright and shiny and happy at this stage of the season to some extent, but like, I think part of that is because we have players who we haven't seen enough to be totally jaded on them. So, putting your your thinking cap on here. How do you grade the midfield, given that we don't have a ton of information, frankly? Yeah, well, we're coming from where we came from. So I'm going with a B plus, And my reasons are I'm going to assume that Emery is maybe not in month one or two, but soon enough, uh, brutal enough to make the right choices. And, you know, I, I still have an open mind on Chaka with a new partner um, maybe you can have some more legs, but I think we're going to need all sorts of other combinations. Uh, Tim makes a great point on our side having both Chaka and Ozil. Ozil does seem more revitalized, more energized, but still, there's going to be a lack of of uh, physicality, energy, and speed um, in a lot of lineups if they play a lot of games. So I think you kind of need some 2020 hindsight to work out. Um, Who's going to get all the minutes? And that really determines. We have the players here for this to be a B-plus midfield. And I'm hoping the the manager will make the tough choices when the combos play out. And we see that Ceballos and Willock are significant players for us in the midfield and change what we can do. And that their, their minutes shoot up and we make some more pragmatic choices dialing back some other players so this has the potential to be a b plus midfield 
uh, depending on who the A cast and the B cast is. So I'm going B plus. Well explained. Yeah, I uh, I think I'm just going to punt and call it a B. <laughs> just move on because yeah. uh, I have no idea. Like I said, I mean, I I could see a scenario where you could put a really interesting midfield of Torreira, Ganduzi, and Sabalos on the Sabios on the field, and like. I don't totally know what Torreira is yet, and I don't totally know what Ganduzi is yet, and I really have no idea what Ceballos is. So, like, in my mind, that could be a really interesting midfield, and it could fail massively. It's just it's just going to take us some time to figure that out. And we also have to be patient, because Ceballos might need some time to bet in. Torreira had no preseason. Ganduzi's just back, so that complicates it as well. Let's get to the part of the pitch that gets a little more interesting for everyone, I think, and that is the forwards and the strikers. So, I think the best thing to do here is lump it all together. I was going to break it up into strikers and forwards, but uh, in trying to do that, it gets complicated. So let's just say Pepe, Lacazette, Obama Yang, Mkhitaryan, Martinelli, Nelson, Saka. Okay, Tim, let's just lump them all together. Or would you should we separate them? I mean, if we just put the strikers on their own, they're A plus. I mean, how do you want to do it? Yeah, I I feel like separating okay. them for that reason because I I do think that they'll they'll grade uh, they'll grade inflate the forwards. All right, so let's do this. Yeah, yeah. We'll yeah. all just give the strikers an A plus. We're not even going to debate them. We're going to skip it. We Fine. agreed. Everyone cosign yeah. the strikers are an A plus. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so Tim, yeah. the forwards, Mkhitaryan, you can put Ozil in the group if you want. Nelson, yeah. Saka, um, Martinelli, Pepe. Right, so I, I kind of mentioned Ozil in the midfield, and I think that's where I will play mainly, so I'll, I'll leave him out of this. Um, so this one, again, there's a lot of wish casting because I really like the look of Saka. I like everything I've seen of him. I'm kind of less sold on Nelson. I I, I just haven't seen with my own eyes um, enough from Reese Nelson yet. Mkhitaryan, I think, will continue to be Mkhitaryan. He'll be really, really inconsistent, and you'll get two or three good games and two or three terrible games from him. Uh, Pepe, you know, that that's kind of an unknown quantity, but I'm going to say that he's going to be really good, not yep. least because he's exactly what we need. So overall, I would give this maybe a B minus, um, not least as well, because, and we discussed this on, on, on the Patreon pod about Iwobi and, you know, I, on balance, I, I think it's probably the right decision to sell, but it does leave us with a little bit of a lack of genuine left-sided options We're we're suddenly, we're very right side heavy. Um, and, and I think that's a slight issue, um, because Nelson prefers the right, Mkhitaryan prefers the right, Pepe prefers the right, you know, the, the left, the cupboard on the left suddenly looks a little bit bare um so i i'm gonna go b minus here I, I would go lower obviously we're not for pepe pepe you know potentially brings that average up and you know had he played a few games I, he might have brought it up even more but i i still think i still think we've got some doubts here maybe not in the absolute first 11 but maybe in the squad this is an area that could still stand to get a little bit stronger unless of course the likes of Saka and Nelson like if both Saka and Nelson or or if two of Saka Nelson and Martinelli really you know really come through then fine but um that's you know that hasn't happened yet so I can't grade on that basis you know you know what the problem is Tim so like the reason why I struggled to take the strikers out of evaluating this group is I think Emery will put both Oba and Laka on the pitch a lot. I think yep. they'll play together a lot. I think that will be his preference. <clears throat> Meaning, only one of the forwards will ever be playing as long as those two are fit. 
and and for any mm-hmm. game that really matters. When you look at that forward group that you listed as only needing one of them on the pitch at any given time, they feel a lot yeah, yeah. stronger, right? Because it's Pepe. Yeah. And then everybody yeah. behind Pepe is the backup. If you think Oba yeah. or Laka will start alone and the other will be on the bench, then you need two of them on the pitch at any given time, and that makes it feel weaker. So to me, if if you just told me that in 30 games this season in the Premier League, Aubameyang and Lacazette will start together. I would say we have an A- minus set of forwards. If you told me that they would start together 15 games this season, I'd say we have a B- minus set of forwards because the second guy on the pitch is a, a bit of an unknown, if that makes sense. Um, you know, I, I think as long as only one of those guys is playing, you're getting someone pretty good. Uh, Clive, how do, you, how do you rate that forward line, and does what I said make any sense, or is it totally incomprehensible? <laughs> it's, uh, I, 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 I hear what you're saying. I think it might be... Slightly overthinking it. I, oh, I just me? think what? Never. <laughs> I think um, I can't wait to see this forward line, and I just get this feeling they can't wait to play together, and I can't wait to see how they get deployed. I'm not remotely concerned if they all three of them play, two of them play. There's so many games, and there's so many half games. You remember how many times Lacazette came on at halftime at the start of last year, and they changed it at halftime. What I do like about these younger players, they can end games to a level of intensity. They can bring speed. Also, they can bring, I've said this a couple of times now, they bring defensive intensity. So if, if we're away somewhere and we bring on Saka and Nelson like we did against Bayern Munich, they can hold their sides defensively, yet they can still spring. They've both played time at fullback, wingback, and I think they're going to be really important on completing games in the Premier League and starting games in Europe and really having that responsibility there. I just can't wait to see the, the, the front three. I don't really care what the configuration is. We'll work it out over the year. They've got creative talent. They've got what Pepe does have, which I think is really interesting. He has the ability to not just score, run through, dribble, but he can create. So he's coming off that right-hand touchline and he's clipping that ball into into the area that Aubameyang would love to run into. That would be interesting and vice versa. So that little diagonal there between the two of them, I can't wait to see. And, um, you know, and you know, in certain games, I also know he's, he's not shabby, is he, when it comes to finding passes. It's just the right games to make sure that we don't have anybody resting. So I'm going to be more positive with this. And although the Awobi thing, and I still haven't worked it out, I'm so interested to listen to the Patreon podcast later, it does worry me slightly because I don't know how it happened. I, none of us were calling it. We know he wasn't there in the summer. He seemed to be a little bit late back. I wonder if there's a story there we're not aware of yet. And it'd be interesting to see what happens in the next few days. Um, that's the Academy Golden Boy gone. That's the one that everyone in the Academy looks to because he made it through. Arsenal will take a decision to take the money on him. That's interesting. Is that for the pathway for somebody else? Is that because they don't like something about him? Um, that player is not easily replaceable from the, from a positional point of view, and I agree with your point, Tim. It does leave the left side slightly light, and it does mean players like Aubameyang and Nelson will have to be out there. Nelson can do it easy, but Aubameyang, let's see. We know the numbers. He doesn't look so strong on the left. So it does leave a slight doubt there, but I'm going to stay positive, and yeah, I think that's a really strong mark. I'll give that out. I think that's an A. I think it's an A for me. Yeah, I mean, again, like, so let's say we play 4-3-3 or 3-4-1-2, either one or four, you know, whatever of those formations. 
it could be Lacazette at false nine with Aubameyang and Pepe running the channels. And that sounds pretty damn good to me. If one of those guys isn't available, then you go to one of the other forwards, which isn't a terrible group to choose from. I think you only really feel that weakness if you're regularly, routinely having to put two from that forward group out there. Um, yeah, go ahead, Clyde. Well, this is this is what this is why I don't want to get trapped in one formation because your players' availability almost tells you what you have to do to get the maximum from the group. And there will be occasions when people have knocks. There will be occasions when we play a three. The ball when we go 2-1 or 1-2 up front, or, you know, we might go 3-4, 3 so many options, and we've got the talent to achieve it. What's really concerning is when we're forced into options because we're protecting and hiding talent, and that's where we were last season. So I'm excited to see us flip to a system, but with a far greater positive intention. Paul, have we left any meat on this bone for you? <laughs> a, a, a little bit. Okay. Uh, I think uh, I haven't been super excited about Obama Yang from the left, but Pepe will be a whole new dynamic down the right, putting balls in that may bring Obama Yang from the left a whole new energy for us. I think Sabalos, although we're not including him in this list of players, if we're grading that department, that kind of the forward line behind the striker, I think it's probably B plus given all the options, uh, given that Sabalos may be a guy who can actually and is suited to sitting in that spot doing, doing the more creative joker role on the left while we have Pepe on the right when we don't use Aubameyang there. Um, or one of these young lads who hasn't yet proven enough steps up. Uh, I do like the look of Martinelli, uh, but that's a lot of projection. But somebody like that might just step forward and take the the one-third of games that Aubameyang doesn't start. And I think Clive makes a great point, which is this could just be a year for those young lads coming off the bench very often on that left-hand side, um, filling in that spot. There's three lads who could come on there. And one of them could step forward at some part during the year. But Sabalas needs to get a lot of game time, it would seem. And he won't always get that in the two pivot spots. And interesting I, point. I, I, I actually think he's a good fit for that left spot. The kind of, you want to, he, he's not like any of these players, but he brings some of, the, of what a Nasri or a, uh, a Rizitsky or one of those guys can, can bring over on that other side with Pepe on the right. Uh, that's that's actually a really interesting point. So, all right, well, I, I'm just going to go ahead and, and punt on this one again and say it's a B plus. We all agreed that it was um, A plus for the strikers, right? Does anyone have any anything to say on that? They're they're just awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Okay. Um, so then let's let's get into the prediction time now, and this this will we'll start to speed through towards the end here. But first things first, let's do some player predictions. Who's your breakout player? So, Paul, when I say breakout player, I, I don't just mean a young player who uh, impresses. It could be a player who is already an established player but has a season that surpasses expectations, that goes up a level. Someone who becomes a big feature in the squad and has a big season who maybe we wouldn't have seen it coming. So, you know, maybe not Aubameyang unless you think he's going to score 60 goals. Who do you Who do you predict to be the player well, who really breaks out? I'm okay. glad I went first. Yep. It has to be Willock. It just, he has, uh, I mean, you could say break out. A lot of people are projecting onto him at this stage. So 
if if it were before preseason, this would be a really brave pick for the breakout player. But he is the guy with the most the most travel here between what he did last year and what he does this year. Um, but it's a very crowded space. I mean, if if we have two central midfielders, he's going to have a job getting in there. But the weird thing is we have a lot of good midfielders now. I think we, if you took Wilk out of there, you'd still say we'd a strong midfield. And yet you can look at him and say, but hang on a second, he does stuff none of the others do. Uh, his, his running, his power, his ability to drive forward, his box, the box-to-box nature. The He's the only midfielder we have who is as brave in the box as Ramsey was. Um, so you could see a path to him getting, uh, maybe not being the starter, but getting many starts and a lot of coming on at, at 60 minutes or 65 minutes. Look at the number of games we played last year where we looked dead on our feet or lifeless or whatever. What are you going to do as Emery? You're going to say, are you going to subtly change central midfielder? Or are you going to say, I'm going to give uh, fucking Willock a go to see if he can drive down the middle of these bastards and get some energy going here. So it'll yeah. be Willock. Yeah, and and already getting excited for his breakout season is the dog, I guess. Yeah, Klaus. <laughs> Klaus, Klaus, yeah. Klaus, Klaus voted for him too. Loves Tim, him. who's your breakout player? Uh, Gendouzi. Um, so not, not, not just because <laughs> this is what I want to happen. I do think by the end of the season, he'll have Shaka's spot. I think the way that they've been playing in the last couple of friendlies, he's kind of already doing Shaka's job um, in terms of picking the ball up uh, from the back four. Um, and yeah, I think he will t- like, he, he, he was the breakout player of last season, I think. Um, but I think he'll nail down a starting 11 position. I, you know, it, it's weird, actually, like a lot of Arsenal fans seem to be a little bit divided on him or don't quite appreciate what he does. I, you know, I, I really, really like him because I think he does a bit of everything. And yes, he has uh, some rough edges, but I I just he look he looks to me like someone who's a, a really, really quick learner. Um, yeah. And and I think I, I think with David Luiz in there as well, I think Granite Xhaka becomes uh, basically redundant, to be honest, with Louise's level of passing. So I think Gendouzi will be in there um, with Torreira and just, like I say, modernize that midfield a little bit. Yep, that's a good choice. So, Clive, now that you have no one left to pick, who's your breakout player? Um, well, I agree with everything Tim said. But I think, you know, the Shaka thing, I know we, we it's going to happen, but it won't happen as quickly as we think it's going to happen. And I think there'll be pressure in games and I just think these guys are still very, very young. If it's a talent discussion, then you're absolutely, let's, let's do it now. right? But there is more to football than just talent. right? So so I suppose the player that I'm looking forward to, and I think we forgot, you know, I would have said Gwendoos as well, you know, full, full disclosure, but the other guy is Torreira. I think there was a period last year around the Spurs game where he was as exactly what we wanted. He was everything. And he just ran out of legs and people have just forgotten about him. I think he transforms how we play. We don't have anyone that plays like him. And when he's good, he's impossible to take your eyes from. He literally is our playmaker by how he wins the ball, how he steals the ball, and how he creates situations. He's going to create situations on transition. And we now have three forwards, absolute, or two that 
absolutely live and die off transition. And so, you know, with the pressing with Lacazette and Torreira, I think it's going to be a big difference to how we play and, and get the ball into forward area. So I would have said Guendouzi because I'm a huge fan, but close behind him, I would say Torreira. Okay. I have to pick someone now. <laughs> Fucking hell. Um, so I've got to pick a breakout player from the people you've left me with who really qualifies either being already quite excellent players um, or or they're crap. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, am I allowed to pick Pepe? Can I pick Pepe as a breakout player? Yeah, of course, Cap. Okay, I mean, I, I think what he does is exactly what our attack missed, exactly what we've lacked since Alexis left. His directness, his his dribbling, cutting inside, taking a shot or, or delivering an accurate ball in the final third, pulling defenders out of position. I mean, if all he does is cut in on his stronger foot, drag a central defender towards him, if he can play that little slid two-yard ball to Aubameyang making the run behind the defender that moved, he'll get 25 assists this season. That's a joke, but you get my point. Um, I, ju- I just think it is tantalizing what he could be, and I will predict him to be my breakout player. But you know what? That's enough upbeat shit. Let's slide over to biggest disappointment. And Clive, I'll start with you. Who do you think, and again, not worst player, biggest disappointment. Who do you think a player could be that might be primed for a season that underwhelms us? Um, hmm. I'm going to be controversial. Ah, right? I love it when you go clickbait. Let's do it. I'm going to be controversial and... Now, I've got no grounds to say this. Oh God, I've got. I've just got to worry about Lacazette. I've got, I've got a little worry about him. Um, you know I what? Think, I, I was going to pick him. Yeah, I've just got a little worry about him. I know there's lots of recency bias here, but um, I've just got a little worry about him. He's he, do, he is picking up a few knocks and where he is, and um, and he he still hasn't impacted the game away from home. And it's important that he does that. So, yes, at home, it's why he's probably one player of the year. He does a lot of good things at home, and, and he's, he's fantastic, his work and his leadership, and he does two men's jobs. And But to be a top, top striker, you've got to do it away from home, and, he, and he's not doing it away from home. And so there's going to be more competition and more time him being having to share minutes and share games. And when he does that, he's not too happy. So I'm not saying he's going to be a poor player. I think it could be a challenging year for him, and he needs to he needs to step up to the mark to take us where we want to get to, you know. And um, so maybe maybe it's a better description. I've got my eyes on him because he's very important for us, and there's more to come. And I don't think he should settle with what he's done so far. He needs to do more, and um, because we all know where we need to be, and he holds the key. Yep. I mean, I I don't think he'll be bad. That's not my point. But I think he is a player who has a very interesting role to play. I think Aubameyang has looked hot as shit this summer. And Emery's going to want to play him a lot. And he is an exceptional player. And I think Lacazette has to keep his level up because the risk is there that if he doesn't keep his level up, Emery may start playing with one up top more often and Lacazette could find himself on the bench, which I don't think he'd love. So we'll see. Tim, uh, who's going to make us miserable? So I'm I'm thinking of two players, both of whom are academy players, um, and no one ever likes to hear that. Um, All right, I've already said that I'm slightly unconvinced by Reese Nelson, and I don't quite think that he's going to be 
Like, I don't think he's going to be, like, absolutely terrible or anything, but I think a lot of people have just kind of assumed, oh, Reese Nelson's here, and um, there we go, there's going to be plenty of end product, and he's going to be great. I, I still think there's a lot to iron out in his game, um, in terms of his technique, certainly, and wasn't really that enthused by, you know, the th- I mean, hopefully he'll just learn from it, but wasn't really that enthused by what kind of happened at the end of his spell at Hoffenheim where he was kind of disciplined by the coach and, you know, left out of a couple of games because his attitude wasn't right. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm not sure that attitude is so much my, my concern. I'm, I'm just not quite sure he's quite as good as we think he might be. Um, and I think that might be borne out this season. Mm. Well, I mean, the good news is we're not relying on him, so it no, would be a shame no. if that happened. But we're not we're not relying on him, so no. we'll see. Um, Paul, how about you? Who's who's going to disappoint us? Uh, I can come up with a case for lots of people possibly disappointing us. I, I'm not locked into anybody who will. I do have this feeling with Terrera that he may he himself may start feeling feeling overlooked in this midfield that he's not getting, you know, he came in, uh, started playing for us at, at, at a point and then became a starter and then kind of drifted off as the season went on. Um, he lacks some athleticism um, and obviously size and speed. And depending on how we reconfigure, I, I do have this concern. He'll get, he'll look a little lost and be a little lost. He'll be a guy we, we use for a specific role, but we don't want that role to often. We want to create, we want to push forward, and that the manager deems he he's not truly a starting eleven player for him. He's more a tactical choice when we need that in the in the team, and he may start feeling a little less loved and start drifting away. So he's the one, kind of like you worried a bit about Lacazette. I, I worry a little that Terrera may feel a little squeezed and uh, a little unloved and it may show. It's an interesting choice, right? Because we know he loves Ganduzi. He mm. seems to love Chaka, whether we disagree or not. And I kind of hope that he will move away from him. Ceballos has been promised a lot of playing time and I think he'll get a lot of playing time. So yeah, it's, it's a congested area. And there were some rumors swirling earlier this summer that he hadn't settled. He wanted to move on. He quashed them pretty quick and there was nothing really to it, but it will be an interesting one to look, look at. If I have to pick one, and God, I hope I'm wrong. Obviously, we all hope we're wrong about this. But I'll say Socrates. We are relying on him to be the nailed-on number one anchor of our defense, along with Luis, potentially, and then holding maybe when he gets back. But like, I think we may have overrated the season he had last season. I think he can be a little rash. Um, I don't know that his positioning is great. And with VAR coming in, he's going to have to really watch it because he... He is a sort of master of the dark arts, got away with it at times. He won't get away with it in the VAR era. So, like, I worry because if if he regresses to the kind of season that Dortmund fans will tell you he had before he arrived at Arsenal, it could be really bad. And I don't know that his season last season was as good as we thought. He may have looked better by virtue of who was next to him at times. But if he has a disappointing season, I think we could see our defense be a big issue again. I don't know that anyone's expecting us to be Fort Knox back there anyway, so it doesn't matter. I was going to ask to predict best player. Let me just get this from you as a group. Is anyone picking anyone other than Aubameyang? 
I mean, you'd have to go pretty far to think of someone, right? We all want to say Aubameyang, yeah? Yeah, if Bellerin was fit, I'd I'd say he'd be in with a chance. Yeah. I guess it could be the, if not Aubameyang, who would it be? Okay, yeah, let's do that. All right, yeah, yeah. All right, see, Paul Paul rescues the podcast. This this is what we call um, ideation, but normally it doesn't happen on mic, but sometimes it does. Paul, since you came up with a great idea... Who is your best non? Who who do you predict to be the player of the season non Aubameyang category? Well, if somebody pips Aubameyang, uh, or I have two thoughts. I'll go with Pepe for obvious reasons, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if somebody can do it, he can. Uh, I have one or two other thoughts, but he's he's the one where he where he could he could end up doing everything Aubameyang does and a whole bunch of other shit. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Clive, who's your best non Aubameyang best player? <laughs> yeah, same. Pepe's the one. Um, he's got the ability to be a superstar, and, and and I mean the right to the very top. So um, we're talking two one or two Spanish clubs in three years' time, and so let's hope it happens with us. I think it's probably a year too soon for him because he'll have to adapt. But if somebody does it, I think it could be him. Tim, yeah. right to be different because <laughs> I kind of agree. Um, I'm gonna say. Potentially Sabios. Oh yes, um, because uh, and don't get me wrong, it could go. I've, I've I don't think I've ever seen him play, so and, and it could go completely wrong, right? And it's alone, but, yeah. And it's alone, but I just feel like he really, really wants to get into the Real Madrid team. That's what he wants, and to do that, he is going to have to have an absolutely A-grade season. On top of that. According to everything I, I've kind of read, he just really, really sounds like the type of player that I think Arsenal have been looking for for a little while. So I, if if it comes off, you know, I, I really think it could be Ceballos. I also think, as a really cheeky shout, that David Luiz, I, I think, so I think David Luiz, look, this is the kind of guy he is, right? It, this one really, really could go either way. I think there's almost zero chance of David Luiz being a solid 7 out of 10 signing. It's either going to be brilliant or it's going to be awful. Um, but if it's good, it will be really good. Um, and, you know, for Arsenal, slightly, imp- you know, conceding 10 fewer goals next season could take us a long, long way. Uh, it take us a very, very long way. I mean, uh, look, we've done this before. We went and got Sylvester from United, and he turned... Uh, um, no, no, that's wrong. Um, yeah, no, I, I take your point. I'm going to go ahead and pick Lacazette. Uh, unlike Clive, who doesn't really rate the player, I have a lot of faith in him. What I would say is, look... <laughs> there you go, stitched you up. Um, what I would say is... There is a scenario where he plays more of a Firmino-type role, and I have always said I don't know that he has those qualities, but maybe that strength in holding the ball up, that preternatural relationship with Aubameyang, he also develops it with Pepe. He winds up doing a lot more as the hub of the attack in the final third, gets a lot of assists. Maybe he only has the 12 or 13 goals, but also has 11 or 12 assists, and just all around is the grease in the wheel. So I think non-Aubameyang category, I know he was our player of the season last season, although for me, it was always Aubameyang. I think it could be him again. And with VAR coming in, this is important. There's just going to be more penalties this season. There just are, which means Arsenal might even get two. But if we get a bunch of penalties and he's the penalty taker, suddenly you can inflate your your goal scoring numbers a lot. 
So he might have 11 non-penalty goals and six penalties and finish the season with 17 goals and 10 assists or something. So he could be really important for that reason as well. We'll finish with this. We'll just do a quick around the table prediction of where you think we're going to finish all comps. So Tim, I'll start with you on this one. League finish, mm-hmm. cup finishes, well, Euro, Euro, European yep. finish. Yep. Okay, Premier League fourth by a point. Love it. At whose expense? Uh, um, Chelsea and United. I would take that. Uh, and what about uh, the cups? Yep. Uh, oh God. Um, I, I predict nothing in either of the domestic cups because we'll throw our lot in with the Europa League again because it's it's kind of slightly less of a lottery because we really should be going to the latter stages. Um, I'm I'm going to say semi-final though, and some unforeseen team is going to drop out of the Champions League and and knock us out. Mm, interesting. Okay. I mean, to be fair, that that absolutely could happen, and if it meant that it helped our league performance, I could almost grudgingly take that. Paul, what about yep. you? Um, so I think we're favorites for a couple of spots here. I think we're favorites for fourth, but we got two competitors for that spot so probability wise i'm bracing myself for fifth so i'm saying fifth even though i think we'll be slightly better than chelsea and united um for europa league i think we lose in the final just for fun and uh for the cups who the hell knows uh we'll get knocked out in the semis (laughs) make a prediction semis yeah of both yeah so a final, um, a final two semis and a fourth place, or did you yeah. say fifth? Fifth, fifth. You son of a bitch. Okay, another season in the Europa League, according to Paul. I knew, I always knew that that optimistic thing that you put on is just a a, a show. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but this is a show, so technically you should be doing it now. Uh, Clive, help us. Yeah, well, I think we're going to come third. Um, I think we're going to. I think Chelsea are developing a team this year and that will have high points and low points but i don't think they're going to make the top four um i think spurs they've got some potential issues around the corner um regarding regarding their squad and freshening their squad they've had a couple of additions but i you know one i don't think is a true first 11 player and and the other two and dumbale looks looks good um but the Celso, I think that's going to be an interesting one. So let's see how that goes. Uh, but I don't think they're fresh up anywhere else. And I think there's problems with Deli Alley. Um, and Manchester United have got no midfield. Scott McTominay is holding your midfield together with Matic and Fred, and you're relying on Paul Pogba. <laughs> then, you know. Who, you who know, has openly stated he does not want to be there. <laughs> <laughs> they don't want to be there, and there's nothing else there. You know, there is nothing else. And yes, they got some speed up top, and they've taken out a centre forward. I think for a club of their size, they're actually doing an Arsenal of, of maybe two years ago by just being incomplete in what they're doing, throwing big money at certain areas, big wages at goalkeepers. I mean, it's just not clever. It's not smart. So I do see Arsenal on the up curve. I'm so impressed with how we've operated in this in this summer window. We've ended up in a very good place, and I think there's a inner inner confidence in the club that we're heading in the right direction. If the if the fans can allow it to to permeate and just and just build, I think we're in for a really good season. Mm. Europa League winner for definite for definite. Europa League winners. Did you give me my my domestic cups? <laughs> Don't care about them, mate. 
Honestly, I really don't. Um, the Europa League is almost like the domestic cups, if you see what I mean, in the early stages. And we'll use those squads for those. The League Cup all depends on your draw. Make sure you're out of it before the semi-final. That's the main, most important thing. But if you do go all the way in the League Cup, you better win it. Um, otherwise, it can hurt your season. So I want to be out of it before the semi-final. And FA Cup, it messes up with the, the later European competition. So not interested. We didn't end the season well last year. So it's all about it has to be top four. We've got some bills to pay in a year or so's time. And the Europa League it just comes with our with our stature in the competition, with our budget, etc. We're going to get to the last four. So um, let's see what happens at that point. Okay. I'll say we finish third. I think uh, Spurs will come fourth and Chelsea and United. Oh, Paul, you want to do it real quick? Yeah, I got to change my vote to fourth. I, th- I just think there's... Uh, statistically, blah, blah, blah. I think energy-wise, how we're lining up, no, I think we're all committed to fourth. And that's mm. the, the the summer we had and what Raul did and Edu, I think that's enough to push us to to make the difference. I think we come fourth. I have us as third. I, I think Spurs are going to fall. I, I think Spurs are getting ready to be Spursy. I'm not Poch- sure Pochettino wants to be there anymore. He's warring with Levy. Um, I think Kane's ankle is fucked. I think there's a problem with Deli Alley. I don't think they have fullbacks. I don't know that their midfield is complete. Um, can Sun have the same kind of season he had last season? I'm not sure. Erickson might still go before this window closes. All in all, I think they could be poised to fall. Um, and, and we know that Pochettino has had a hard time getting his team to perform all season long. They had a huge disappointment at the end of last season getting to the Champions League final and not getting it done. And I think if you're a Spurs player, you start to wonder, what's the goal? What are we really after? And I think Chelsea and United are just a mess. So that's not to say that we're going to be head and shoulders above any of them. I think it is a limbo competition, and I think we will just be slightly better than those teams. The Cups, uh, FA Cup quarters, League Cup semi, and I say Europa League semifinal, roughly there. Um, You know, my hope hope this season, and I'm going to give you guys each a chance to say this as, as we say goodbye. My hope for this season is that Unai Emery wears the big shoes. That Unai Emery feels like the big man. The club backed him. They gave him the players he needed. Maybe not 100,000%, but more than has been done in, in recent windows. He has a squad that can go get top four. That's the mandate, get us back in the Champions League. I hope he has the courage and the conviction to pick a style that's closer to what he wants to do, to, to really... Uh, have that style imprinted on the team early so that we look more coherent throughout the season. But more than anything, I hope he has the courage to throw a game if he has to, to play the kids in the FA Cup if that's what he thinks he needs to do because we got an FA Cup tie midweek and we've got Spurs at home on the weekend or something. I'm picking that out of my ass, but you you know what I mean. Um, I hope he has the courage to play the kids in the group stage of the Europa League. I hope he has the courage to rotate for the early knockout rounds in Europe. I, I hope he has the courage to... Manage the team like a guy who has the job and has been backed and not try to win every game. I mean, this summer there were times where I'm like, good God, he really wants to win even the preseason games. And I get that mentality. But you know what, Unai? You you can't win 70 games in a season. You can't. None of these teams can. So pick the competitions you want to really win. Manage the team that way and print your style on them. I'm curious to see how Emery does in this second season now. He's been backed. He's got a squad that looks ready to, to accomplish the goals we need to accomplish. Let's see what he does. So for me, it's all about Unai now. Uh, Clive, what's the, the big thing you're looking for this season? Well, yeah, I, I agree with a lot of that. I think 
that what I'm impressed about is the people behind the club seem to be working in the same direction. And I think that will filter. I think it's filtered through to the fan base already. And it's not just the signings. It's how it was done and the type of players they're going for. I mean, I, I do like the change of dynamic. Uh, I really do. I do like the clever thinking. I do like the recovery move of Louise. I mean, that's a brilliant recovery move from a dire situation. Um, I'm, I was always a bit more patient with, with the manager. I, I, I quite like his tactical nows. He he stroke we fell off a cliff towards the end of the game after that Dubai trip funny enough I, I just think that interrupted our flow uh, we'd never done it before and when we came back from there I thought we would kick on and we actually went the other way and I just think I just unexplainable some of those performances around that period and um, it's just a shame because I think he done a, a genius job in what he had but now he's got more of what he wants the club have given him more tools to work with so you're a coach my son so coach this team make sure they're ready make sure they're prepared make sure they're going with the right attitude to get the results that we need there's a little window there Elliot, with, with Chelsea in the development year which could go either way and other teams not developed so I think yeah just do that one direction common goals I think we're starting to see the club come back to what it should be yeah, I mean, this, the summer leaves us with a lot to be encouraged about. Tim, what's the thing you're most looking forward to seeing this season? Um, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, I, I think Nicolas Pepe, um, just because we we really, really need that type of player. And I think we have done for, a, a, you know, certainly since Sanchez left, um, but possibly even, even before that. Um, but I, I'm also... Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing David Luiz because I'm I'm just massively curious about how it's going to turn out, um, and and I, I'm also I I think to be more specific and group something together I I do think it's the young players that I'm the most excited about and it's not because I think they're all going to be like Fabregas's or Messi's or anything like that but you you know I've said on this podcast for a while for a couple of years that I think smart squad management is when you have academy players filling out squad roles um so players like Maitland Niles uh, Willock you know I, I'm not I, I think that you know I think like I really like Joe Willock I think he'll be good but I just think for me as much as I've expressed some doubts about Reese Nelson, give me Reese Nelson rather than spending 17 million on Lucas Perez any day. Give me Joe Willock um, instead of Mohamed El Nenny any day. Like, I think this is good. I, I worried at the beginning of the summer that all of the talk of the academy was going to be, oh my God, they're all going to be starting <laughs> every week. Um, and actually, the the squad we've we've kind of purchase now shows I think that that's not going to be the case that hopefully there'll be a nice balance where they'll play and they'll get Europa League games and they'll be on the bench and they'll come on for the last 20 minutes but we won't be entirely dependent on them um, and, I, and I think that's a really good way forward and I think again that that's coming way too late um, you know we either skewed things and went far too much towards youth and then in the last few years we've we've kind of neglected it a bit i i think like i think a good squad has that balance of young players uh you know that that might just sit on the bench and make up the 18 but 
um i i think that's quite smart and and you know look if one of we just sold iwobi for 35 million if one of them becomes a star um you know absolutely fantastic if we get another bellerin or something like that great but even if we don't then i think we've got some valuable squad players there um and hopefully a, a more sensible balanced squad build yeah i think that's something worth looking forward to uh paul you have anything different to add what's your what's your big exciting moment of the of the season to come thing that you're most excited for uh well tim kind of touched on a, a, it real squad depth especially across the midfield and the attack so that we don't run out of steam uh, in the run-in. But as he mostly covered that, I'd go with a reconfigured midfield. The fact that we can have a rocking and rolling, running the game, uh, control possession, lots of options. Just being able to... uh, I loved Ramsey, uh, but I think a clearing out of that space there. uh, We still have the issue with Chaka. Uh, so either we find a new partner from that balances them out or we rotate based on game state. But just having a midfield that Arsenal uh, ha- has a midfield that other teams look up to, which we haven't had for some time. Well said. Uh, before we get out of here, I'm going to add one more thing I'm looking forward to, and that is talking to all of you, fine gentlemen, uh, about the Arsenal again. Oh. It is uh, one of the oh. great privileges of my week, of my day, to interact with you, to talk to you, to get your thoughts, and to be associated with you and this podcast. And that goes for Scott as well and everybody involved in it, including everyone listening. Uh, You know, it it really is a pleasure. I I remember when we started the pod and it was just a chance to talk to Paul and then eventually Tim and Clive about Arsenal. And, And now there are so many of you that join the conversation and whether it's on Twitter or Facebook or through emails or, um, on Discord, if you're a patron, we've just, I think, built a community of people that have a lot of great things to say about Arsenal, and it means the world to me. So uh, on behalf of my podcast mates, I would like to to thank you and say that I look forward to sharing this season with you again. So I, pro- I promise there will be no more earnest moments in this podcast. Uh, we still have Scott coming up, but Paul's on Twitter. Pause in my pants. Thanks, pause. Woo-hoo. Uh, Tim is on Twitter at Stoberto. Thanks, Tim. My pleasure. Uh, Clive's on Twitter at Clive P-A-F-C. Thank you, Clive. Well said, my son. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Uh, my name is Elliot Smith. You can block me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. Scott's coming up. Uh, he will give his predictions and tell you what his model thinks. I warn you in advance, his model sucks and we hate it. <laughs> but we're going we're gonna to hear from it anyway. He'll also grade the, the different departments of the team. So we'll take a little break, play a little music, come back with Scott. Stay with us. More coming up right after this. All right, now that all the people who have no data or information to base their opinions on have said all their wrong things, we've got the person on to say all the right things. His name is Scott. You can find him on Twitter. Oh, underscore that, underscore crab. Hello, Scott. Yeah. Yeehaw, indeed. What a summer. Holy shit. What a summer. It's it's gone by so fast. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's been fun. I mean, just real quick, superficially, did you enjoy this window? I found it tremendously entertaining. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm so used to, you know, some of the previous windows where it felt like things, you know, Arsenal would not be able to get things over the line. So it's it's quite a surprise to actually see deals get completed and pretty much all of the, you know, the the big holes at least somewhat be addressed. So I, I, I think it's been pretty successful. Okay, so I want to get you on record with a couple of things. 
First thing I want to do is I want to go through the squad. I'm throwing this at you uh, unprepared. You didn't know I was going to do this, but we're going to do this. We're going to go through the departments, and I want you to give me a letter grade, uh, American-style letter grade, A through F, um, for each department. So goalkeepers, let's just say Leno and Martinez, letter grade for the goalkeepers. I mean, I think that's a, a pretty solid like B plus ish range. I mean, I don't mm-hmm. know if I fully expect Leno to be as good as he was last year at shot stopping, but I mean, I think that was a, a positive surprise. I don't think you know as long as you know Leno plays in the most important games, um, I don't think there's going to be a huge downgrade from last year. And you know, it's possible that you know maybe there'll be an upgrade with Leno playing more over you know the important games or check. Okay, I want to do the defense as two departments. So let's okay. do fullbacks. Tierney, Bellerin, Cola, Nacho, Maitland, Niles. Um, so I think, again, that's probably a, a B. I think, again, we're probably looking at an improvement over last year. Um, you know, I don't know exactly how injured Tierney is and when he'll actually be able to step in. But um, I think that, that he, if he's got working legs and can run and do both, I think that should probably be a an upgrade over, you know, Nacho who can really only do one thing and Kolak who can only attack. So I think that probably is a, an addition. Um, you know, Bellerin's the same. Um, hopefully, you know, when he comes back, he will continue to be the same. Um, I think Maitland Niles will have growing pains, but he will hopefully be better than last year. So I think overall slight improvement on fullbacks. I think if you told me that Tierney and Bellerin would each play 30 premier league games, we have an A- minus to an A fullback core, and I'm basing that on seeing Tierney play precisely zero times, so I could be way off there. Um, the issue, of course, is how much they will play, and once you get into the backup options, if you're talking about Tierney and Bellerin playing 10 Premier League games, they just can't stay fit, you have a problem. Um, yeah. All right, center backs. Socrates, Luis, Holding, Chambers, and for the time being, Mustafi, but let's assume he's going. Those four, let's just use those four, and say Nacho is probably in that group more than he is in the left back group is my guess what do you give as a letter grade for the center backs i mean you know going in it was probably you know an f and so maybe we're now at like a c minus mm-hmm. like i don't know this isn't you know it's not a, a great group but i mean i guess you kind of figure you know if we if we're able to you know as long as mustafi doesn't have to start you know if it's david louise and socrates or if it's you know, holding and Socrates or, you know, any of those three. I think as long as, you know, we don't really have to dip into a, a fourth center back for, you know, important games. I feel, you know, this isn't a, a major issue. I mean, it's not, you know, something that I'm going to feel super comfortable around, but it was better than what it was looking like a week ago. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think C minus is probably, right. I mean, look, Socrates has flaws, but it's sort of hard to know how bad his flaws are, depending on who he's played next to. Louise is the same. I mean, good, but we don't know what his flaws will look like in our system. I think the important thing is we were poised, like you said, to have an F and a C yeah. minus. A C minus feels like an A plus compared to what it could have been. So it, it's an upgrade. Let's do midfield and just I'm not going to name everyone because it's a bigger group. But I mean, the the core group looks like Shaka, Ganduzi, Torreira, Ceballos, Willick. Would you agree that that's the core group? Yeah, and I think that that is the core group. Um, I think that that's a you know a solid like B plus. I mean, I think that's a, a pretty good strength. There's lots of rotation options. I think even if you know you get past like you know the first couple of choices, you know you still feel pretty good about the names that we can put out. You know, so if we're going to start with you know primarily two people, I mean we've got you know five people for two spots. I mean I think that feels like a good amount of depth. 
and you know to be able to cover the number of games that Arsenal have. So I think that that feels pretty good. I mean, it's not. I, I mean, I think we're probably just below the you know the elite teams in the Premier League, but I still think it's a, a solid B plus. Yeah, I mean, I might go more like a B minus. Here's what I would say: Willock had an amazing preseason and looks like a superstar. If preseason winds up meaning nothing and meaning nothing, and he is a little further behind than we think, then that changes my feeling about this group a little. Same with Ganduzi, who we think he will take another step forward, but he still has flaws in his game. What if he doesn't? Um, Shaka is limited. Like, we don't know what Ceballos is. We really don't. So I think we're projecting what this group could be based on thinking Ceballos will be awesome, based on Willick making the leap, based on Ganduzi progressing in his development. But, like, if all those things wind up panning out not the way we expect, then you're looking at a lot of Shaka Torreira again, and I think that's a flawed midfield. So... I'm maybe a little bearish on it versus your prediction, but I still think it's in the B-ish range. Uh, yeah, I think I agree with that. I mean, I think you're right. There could be some, you know, spots where, you know, that's a, more of a B-minus. But I think you still look at it. It's like, you know, Gwenduzi is what, our fourth option? And I think that he is a good player. So, I mean, I don't think that it's hard to say that this is a, a weakness of the team. Yeah, sure. At least. Sure. I mean, it, it's like, I I think a lot of, a lot of, the upside to the the midfield could be an A, but you need yeah. certain things to break right. Like Willick makes the leap and Ganduzi improves from last season and Ceballos is as good as we hope he is. I mean, if you ask me who our best midfielder is right now, I'm going to tell you it's Ceballos and I've never seen the guy play. So, um, I mean, there is some projection there. Let's move on to the, let, let's separate wide forwards from the striker group. So we'll say, now with the we'll be going, those are Pepe, Mkhitaryan, well, actually, you know, I've kind of blown this. Where, where do you want to put Ozil? You want to put him in as a forward or in the midfield? I mean, so maybe maybe we separated it so we have attacking midfielders and then strikers. Okay, so the attack in it's yeah. So if it's a four-two-three-one, your three will include some combination of Mkhitaryan, Ozil, Martinelli, Nelson, maybe Saka, and Pepe. Um, I don't think I'm missing anybody there. What do you think? Um, I, again, I mean, I think the, I think the Pepe move is something that is a, a big addition. Um, I think that, you know, I, the, the loss of a Wobi is tough, but I don't think that he is irreplaceable, especially now you, you know, you consider we got Pepe who's going to give what he got, you know, he's going to replace a Wobi's dribbles. He's going to replace his, you know, creativity and, you know, he's going to have more, you know, end product. So I think that's probably an upgrade. Um, I think hopefully we'll be able to see less Mkhitaryan this year, hopefully. And I, I wouldn't be too bummed about that. You know, maybe he does more of the Europa League. Um, that left-hand side now is a bigger question mark. But, you know, it's definitely the possibility that you might see, you know, one of the strikers move there. I think there you will that's more often than um, not. That Yeah, that's the problem so, with grading this group is that it sounds, you you, you list it and you're like, wow, there's, there's a lot of weakness on the left side. But if we're being realistic, it will probably be... Oba and Laka kind of alternating and rotating around one of them being wide. They'll probably play together a lot. Yeah, so I think, I mean, I think you probably put this one at the B, B, between B and a B plus. So, I mean, I think you're probably there, um, you know, maybe like a 86 and a half, like if, you know, we're graded yep. out of 100. And uh, and the strikers, A plus? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that I, I would take Arsenal strikers up against, you know, anybody's in the leagues and feel pretty comfortable about it. You know, you might be able to make, you know, an argument that, you know, City's um, Jesus and Aguero might be better. But other than that, I don't think there's anybody who has a better, you know, combo of strikers in the league. Yeah, I mean, I look at it and I say, if every one of our perfect players 
players could start. Our our ideal lineup. I'd put our fullbacks up against any other than Liverpool and City. I'd put our midfield up against any other than Liverpool and City. Probably ahead of I think well, Chelsea, Spurs. I, I think Chelsea. I think Chelsea's midfield is mm. you know might be better. I, I think Jorginho, Conte, Kovacic is a, a really strong at um, what though know, th- choice at, of three at just holding the ball deep in midfield and doing nothing with it. Like I don't do. The, I I think they're going to struggle to progress. I think they're going to have the problem this season we had last season. I think ball ball I progression mean, could be a problem for them. I I think you know between Kovacic and Jorginho, I think you have enough of a ball progressor between those two and Conte. You know, is a I think he still has the ability to basically be one and a half midfielders. Yes, that's or, you true. Know, Defensively, so you know, yeah. he All might right. he might not be his you know at his absolute peak where he was two midfielders. You know, but he I think he's still at least one and a half midfielders. So let's say we have you know. Third best fullbacks, fourth best or fifth best midfield, depending on what you think of Spurs. I mean, adding in um, probably the yeah. It's just, it's just I don't know who they who do they pair Dombele with. That's yeah. the only thing that's a, a question. Third best wide forwards or or fourth best, and then the, arguably the best strikers. I mean, you line all that up and you say, okay, that's a team for me that should be competing for the top four, especially when you consider United and Chelsea, who are weak, have potential weakness not just in their lineup but in their coaching positions so let's get to predictions let's go to your model for a second before we just go to what your gut says you posted a model you tweaked it you tweaked it and when you tweaked it the last time we actually got worse so let's talk about what your model has but then address what the model is factoring in so where does your model have us finishing in terms of percentages all right so yeah let me pull this up so let me just quick kind of talk about like how it works i did make some changes this year to how i had it done previously so it's again still all using um, historical stats um, to be able to make my decisions. Um, I don't have anything like forward looking. So the model definitely doesn't know about, you know, like players coming in, players leaving um, that stuff that uh, hopefully will be captured as games are played. Um, I did make some adjustments to make things a little bit more aggressive on, you know, giving um, favorites, you know, more of a, um, you know, more of a, an opportunity to win games. Cause that's when I went back and kind of looked at things. Um, I was, I was quite pleased on, you know, how it predicted, but that was definitely one of the things that I did notice is that I under predicted um, likely events um, and over predicted or under. Yeah. So I just was, you know, on the ends, I was way under counting, you know, the, the probability of those things happening. So I, I went through and made some adjustments there. Um, so overall, I have Arsenal, um, you know, about the fifth best team, which I think is pretty pretty close to right. We, we know. Um, right all right. So we know Chelsea, it's United. okay. Yeah. Sorry, I, I cut you off. So is is the team that's ahead of them Chelsea and Spurs? Yeah. So um, Liverpool. So Manchester City is obviously the number one team. Um, then there's a, a gap, and then there's Liverpool. Um, then there's, you know, uh, Tottenham, who's a slight ahead of, and then Chelsea, Arsenal, United. Hmm. Okay. So why is Chelsea ahead of Arsenal in this, in this model? Um, it's, it's all based on, you know, what they were, they were a better team last year. So it still predicts them to be a better team. It doesn't know about the changes. Um, you know, the changes in the the coaching, the changes in the players that have gone out, it doesn't know about the transfer ban. So, I, I mean, I, I don't expect there to be a giant gap, but you know, I, you know, I, I still think Chelsea has a, is a, a fairly talented team. Why? I don't. I don't. Why? See it. I don't think they're good. Um. Why are they good? I mean, what are so they good I, at? What? 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 How, where are they going to score goals? What? That is a bad team. If you took those shirts off and put it on another team, you'd say that's a mid-table team. 
I don't know. So I still think they have a, a solid, you know, center back or solid defense. Um, I think that, you know, they'll, they'll be able to do that. You know, their fullbacks probably aren't as great. You know, at least Aspilicueta is not going to be as good as an attacking fullback, you know. But I guess that balances out with, you know, the, you know, the drunk guy on the, the left, you know, Alonzo. He can't um, defend. Then, you know, I, how do you use Alonzo? No, exactly. So you're going to you're going to have three, you know, three, def- you know, three defenders and one guy going forward. So it'll still be, you know, I think that's a, a decently balanced, you know, back line. Um, I really like their midfield. Um, I think that, you know, the attacking, you know, whatever they can put on attack, it's going to definitely be a downgrade over last year. But again, the model doesn't know that. I, I think that, you know, realistically putting in, I, I don't know how much I would change that. But again, I can't systematically, you know, do this without guessing. So if I was betting on things, I probably wouldn't bet on things that, you know, the model projects for Chelsea. I mean, there's just too many unknowns if right now. If you give me a team that staggered its way to fourth with a really good coach and the best player in the league and take the best player in the league off that team, give them a terrible coach, and replace the best player in the league with some promoted kids and a young American, like I don't see how that team is better. They're definitely worse, and they don't have a much so, much margin for error to I, be I, worse. I would actually... I would actually actually probably make the the argument that you know the upgrade from you know Bashwai and Abraham is is might be better than what they got from Giroud and Higuain. I, I, um, don't, I, I don't see that, how that's possible. I really don't. I mean, Tammy Abraham has never I mean, ever ever done it at this level, and neither has Bashwai. Uh, Bashwai, you know, he's he's produced. He produced at Dortmund. He produced it in League One. He actually was pretty good on. Um, uh, Crystal Palace before, you know, last season too. So I think that he's actually a, a very solid player. Um, I think Tammy Abraham is probably one of the best, you know, products in the league. He's young. Um, I think that he's going to be, you know, good. And, you know, they were bad as striker last year. I mean, you know, your favorite guy, you know, Olivier Giroud, you know, started games for them. This is not, uh, you know, that's, e- that's a fairly easy bar to clear. It's like the Arsenal and center backs. It's not, you know, a huge bar to be able to improve on that. If, I mean, I think if they had kept uh, Murata, they'd probably be looking better. You know, but I mean, I, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to say that they're going to be, you know, awesome or amazing. But I think that you know, it's definitely possible that they will still be in the fight for you know, top six. I, I, don't, I don't see them significantly, you know, worse than you know, United. I don't see them significantly worse than you know, Arsenal. I, I guess what I would say is like. Wh- also, where do you rate the fact that they have a very, very, very bad coach? I, I mean, I would definitely, yeah. It's that same thing with United. That's you know, the numbers all look good, but how much do you discount the coaching factor? Okay, well, this is not a Chelsea pod, so I, I guess it just annoys me because I want Chelsea to be bad, and I hate that you don't agree with me that they're bad. I, I just want. Can you just tell me they'll be bad? Just pat me on the head and tell me they'll be bad. I, I think that they will not be good. Okay, thank you. So your model has us as the fifth best team. In terms of like the the variance, the, the likelihood that we could finish higher up, I mean, what does it give us, like a 25% chance? Yeah, so I have Arsenal at um, 36.4% for the top four. Well, that's not bad. Because, so, you know, I mean, you might hear that you know, and say just, that's not just great. Under, you know, 40%. But, but then you realize, like, all right, United have some chance, Chelsea have some chance, and then there's always some chance, even if it's just... Ten percent chance, five percent chance that some random breaks in the top. I, yeah, five. I have I have United at twenty five percent. Okay, well that's good. I like that. All right, so then let's put the model to one side. 
And, and the model does not factor in changes in personnel, right? It has no way to do that. So losing Hazard, getting a worse coach, like none of that goes into the model, correct? That's right. So it is just looking at, you know, the last three years of data. Um, you know, then I do have some stuff to kind of adjust for, you know, trends of like how the data is going, you know, kind of projecting into this season. But, you know, it, it doesn't know about a lot of these changes and, you know, upgrades and downgrades um, in the model or you know, in the transfer market. All right. Prediction time. Let's do it. Where do you predict Arsenal to finish in the league this season? Um, I, I'm going to I'm going to say fourth place. I think that I think there's a possibility that they might be able to to get ahead of Spurs, but I think fourth place is probably where I really expect them to do. Um, I I think if you know Unai Emery doesn't get fourth place, um, I think that he needs to go because I think with this team, how much money has been spent, um, they have been back pretty much yeah, every. He's been back exactly. He, they've addressed they've addressed every need. You know, maybe they didn't get the best players in the spots that they needed, but they at least improved. I think in all of the areas that they needed to improve, um, they spent a ton of money. I, I, I think that's got to be the expectation. Okay, and then uh, last but not least, who do you who do you have as the player of the season? Uh, player of the season, um, I I think it's going to be. Um, I I hope it's going to be Aubameyang again. I mean, I think that he was fantastic. He looked fantastic in preseason. Um, he is yeah an amazing player, and I I hope he gets another golden boot and you know really propels Arsenal. He's been so much fun, and and I think with Pepe in there and dribbling, creating space, it, it could be really exciting. It's not an easy start to the season, and we're not at full strength, so we'll have to maybe wait to see the best of this team. But I th- I think it could be a more fun season. Do you think at a minimum? It'll be a more fun Arsenal team to watch. I really hope so because I mean I, I think that you know we addressed the needs that we needed so I think we can do more of the the four two three one get four attackers on the field and really go at teams. I mean I, I, I if you ask me if it was you know if we're going to concede less goals than last season um, I wouldn't be confident in saying no. I, I hope so. I think that you know maybe we'll be you know closer to forty five instead of fifty goals so a, a pretty decent little improvement um, but i think we'll score more goals um or at least you know have better numbers to back up our goal scoring so we won't have so much air in our numbers yeah well not a lot of time left to find out what's going to happen the season is kicking off let's hope it is a good one tomorrow Scott. yeah well no not not for us not for us no <laughs> uh but yes yes it is starting and by the way that means if you're uh, doing fantasy football this season if you're one of our patrons for example doing that Get your lineup set. Uh, Scott's on Twitter at O underscore that underscore crap. Thanks, Scott. Thank you. My name's Alex Smith. You can block me on Twitter at Yankee Gunner. Give us a five-star review to start the season. We've had so much fun this summer. A lot of great content coming out. A lot of episodes and stuff. Before the season starts, don't forget YouTube. Arsblog and myself are actual faces on camera. I'm cheating on Scott, but don't worry, Scott. will be back for the future shows. It's going to be fun, and it's going to be a great season, and Arsenal's going to win the fucking league, and we're going to win the Europa League. We're going to win the FA Cup and the League Cup, and it's all great until Sunday when they make us miserable again. But you know what? We're here through the highs, we're here through the lows, and we're so thrilled to have you here with us for a wonderful season that starts on Sunday with Arsenal 10, Newcastle 9. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. 
From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.